On March 28th, 2012, I received a dream from God showing me to go on internet and start a blog exhorting the church. I did that immediately. And three days after the dream, we were publishing a blog on internet. During the next few years, I received several emails from men who said they were ministers, pastors, and this was all over the world. But in each case, I found they could not tell me how God showed them they were to be a pastor. Most of them just wanted to be a pastor and they went to Bible school. I've also found they knew nothing, for the most part, about the ministry offices of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. One of them told me he was a pastor, and then a few weeks later he said, no, I think I'm an evangelist. When God calls you to a ministry, when Jesus calls you to a ministry, he makes it clear to you which ministry you are called to, and also he teaches you. These men who had contacted me were trying to get me to be some kind of supervisor, approving them. When Jesus calls us to a ministry, he teaches us. He not only teaches us, what to do in the work of the ministry to which we are called. But from heaven, Jesus teaches us by the Holy Spirit and shows us the truth of scriptures that we will share with the congregation. We are not taught by man. We are taught by God. So often, Men put themselves into the ministries by their own will without being called by God. They just copy other ministers. Kenneth Copeland at his own meetings told how he went into the ministry. He had been flying Kenneth Hagin's plane and taking Hagin from meeting to meetings, and he would hear what Hagin said and Copeland said he realized he could be a minister like Hagen. So he said he shut himself up for two weeks in his garage and memorized Kenneth Hagen's tapes. If you are a minister called by God, he makes it clear to you that you are called by God, and he teaches you. Jesus teaches you. No man supervises you when you are called by God. You are shown things by the Holy Spirit of Jesus as you read the Old and New Testaments, and he teaches you the exact work that you are to do in the ministry. The Apostle Paul tells of his calling in Acts chapter 9. But in Acts chapter 26, Paul gives even a a more detailed 
explanation of his calling. Let's look at Acts 26. Paul is explaining this to King Agrippa, and he says, My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission, from the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Verse 19, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. In the epistles that Paul wrote to the church, which are published for us in the New Testament Bible, in most of the epistles, in verse number one, Paul tells the calling that Jesus and God put upon him for the ministry. Galatians chapter one, verse one. 
Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Almost each one of the epistles start out that way, of Paul telling that he was an apostle, not of men, but an apostle called by God, taught by God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is one of the sections of Scripture that God used with me to teach me what to do in the ministry. God taught me to just keep reading the Bible, keep hearing from Him by His Spirit, and then when I walked out on the platform in front of the congregation, He would show me what to speak. He would call scriptures to my mind, and I would speak those scriptures and exhort the church from those scriptures. He would also call situations to my mind, examples, and I would give those examples to the church. Whether I was with the church as a group or whether I was with the church as an individual, he taught me to follow whatever his spirit showed me at the time, not to prepare ahead what I would say. Trust him to show me what I would say. One time I was visiting with my favorite aunt, who was Church of Christ member all her life. As we spoke with each other, I heard from the Spirit of God these words. Tell your aunt about being taken into heaven. I really didn't want to do that. Tell a supernatural experience like that to a Church of Christ member? But God had taught me to yield to the Holy Spirit and speak what he wanted me to speak. So I told her about being taken into heaven. After I was born again in the night, I was transported into heaven. I was with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. I saw no physical images. It was a spiritual experience. And at that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. A few nights later, the exact same thing happened to me a second time. 
As I told my aunt of this experience, I saw a rather dreamy look come on her face. And after I finished speaking, she said to me, something like that happened to me once, and it was all golden. That was not expected by me. I'm probably one of the few people she's ever told this experience to. One time she told me before she died, she said, I know things are wrong at the church. She knew doctrines that they were teaching at Church of Christ were wrong. Sadly, I did not know to tell her to leave that church, and she stayed in it. After she had died, I had a dream about her. I went into a room, and there were baby bassinets lined up all the way down the wall. I walked past the individual bassinets and looked at the babies, and I was shocked. They were horribly deformed. They had not grown up. They did not mature as you're supposed to mature. I got to the end of the row, and there stood my aunt. She was about 45 years old. She had grown up, but on her face were horrible discoloration, spots, blemishes. I felt God was showing me false doctrine that she had learned from the Church of Christ. After I was born again, my best friend came to me and said, Joni, you've got to go to church. And I said, I do? She said, yes. So she and her husband were going to a small church called Believer's Chapel. The ministers were professors at Dallas Theological Seminary. I began going to that church with Donna and Hal. The pastor was teaching, at that time, a seminar on the subject of speaking in tongues. He taught that tongues were of the devil. I don't think I'd ever even heard of a tongue before going to that seminar. One day I was reading the New Testament Bible, and I got to the end of the chapter in 1 Corinthians 14, and I read a very shocking statement spoken by the Apostle Paul. Verse 39, Paul said, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues. The church I was attending were teaching that tongues are of the devil. The Bible was teaching me the exact opposite to that which this church was teaching. I was so shocked. Next time I was with Donna, I said, Hey, Donna, did you know that Paul said, Forbid not to speak with tongues? Don't forbid tongues in the church. She just pulled off the side of the road and said, let me see that. She knew I had a little Bible in my purse. 
So I pulled it out and showed her where I'd read this, and she was shocked. She said, let's go to my house and look this up in every translation that I have of the Bible. So we did that. Every translation said the same thing that Paul said. Don't forbid tongues in the congregation. Forbid not to speak with tongues. I said to Donna, well, that church is forbidding tongues and teaching that they're of the devil. I'm not going to go back to that church anymore. And she said, well, I'm not going to go back either. Each time in the 40 years that I would try to go to church, when I heard the pastor speaking something contrary to the Bible, I would call him or go to him and show him what the Bible says and ask him about what he was teaching. Or I would ask him where it was that what he was teaching was in the Bible. Not once did I ever have a pastor repent. Not once did I ever hear a pastor express shame though they did confess what they were teaching was not in the Bible. In 2015, God showed me that these pastors who were teaching things not in the Bible or eliminating scripture from the Bible and teaching other doctrines were Antichrist. This is the end-time apostasy in the church where other doctrines are spoken to the church, doctrines not in the Bible. There was a Jewish woman that came across my path at one point in time, and she very joyfully said she was a Messianic Jew. She told about the man that she hoped to marry. She was a divorced woman. Pam Paget said to her, According to the Bible, the woman who marries after divorce commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 32. This woman responded by saying, Oh, we don't go by the Bible, we have our own doctrine. When Pam told me this, I just shouted out, the Bible's the only doctrine we have to go by in the New Testament church. There is no other doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ is in the New Testament Bible. That's Antichrist when you change the New Testament Bible and teach something else. That is Antichrist, opposite to Christ. Now, many people in churches have been taught that Antichrist will come in the last days through governments of men. But God showed me two scriptures, which I'll share with you today, and we'll look at them. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, 19. The Apostle John was speaking to his church group after Jesus 
had been crucified and resurrected. This is when the New Testament church began. And he was teaching his church group. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, John said, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Many Antichrist, many people who say they are Christians but profess other doctrines, doctrines that are not in the New Testament Bible. That's Antichrist. Another example, Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul has called together the elders of the church to tell them they will see his face no more because he is going to Jerusalem where God has told him he must testify before Caesar at Jerusalem. Paul will be put in prison there, and he knows it. So he will not be seeing the elders of the church at Ephesus anymore. And in verses 29 and 30 of Acts chapter 20, Paul says to the elders of the church at Ephesus, verse 29, For I know this, says Paul, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, Also of your own selves, the elders, shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. Paul shows Antichrist just waiting to take over in the church, to teach perverse things that are not in the Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul tells us that Jesus cannot return until the apostasy in the churches takes place. They use the word apostasy in the New American Standard Bible. The King James Version calls it a falling away will take place before Jesus returns. That's the same thing. The apostasy in the church and the falling away are the same thing. In the King James Version, Paul says this, starting at verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, 
so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. In 1982, as I was reading this scripture, God said to me, the falling away are not people leaving the church group. The falling away are churches falling away from scripture and setting up other doctrines in the church. And when those doctrines are set up and the doctrines of Christ presented in the New Testament Bible are changed to other doctrine, that allows Antichrist into the churches. Now you will notice that in verse 4, Paul says, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. That's what Antichrist will do. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God. Not in the governments of men, in the temple of God. Showing himself that he is God. In the book War and Peace, Tolstoy shows that they thought Napoleon was the Antichrist, the ruler of the nation of France. Antichrist comes through the churches itself and sets up doctrine opposite to the doctrine of the New Testament in portions of Scripture. Not all Scripture, but some Scriptures are changed. That's Antichrist in the churches. Antichrist is not one man. Antichrist is a spirit that operates in many men. It's like the devil is not one man. The devil is a spirit operating in men, and so is Antichrist. And today we see Antichrist bringing doctrine into the churches all over the world, one denomination after another, departs from Scripture in certain portions of Scripture. For example, Matthew 5.32, Jesus says, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I've never heard that taught in any church I've ever attended. But that's what Jesus says in Matthew 5.32. That's just one example of Antichrist in the churches. Because what I've always heard is, of course, you can marry a divorced woman. And then the preacher performs the wedding ceremony at the churches I've attended where men marry divorced women. But Jesus says in Matthew 5.32 that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. In 1980, my best friend Donna, who told me I had to go to church, she was a divorced woman, but she kept it secret. She had gone to Italy as a Fulbright scholar when she was a young woman. She met a young man there. She switched to Catholicism from Baptist and married him, and they came back to the United States, and he left her. They divorced, and later she decided she wanted to remarry. So she began going to the singles class at the church she was attending. She didn't tell anyone that she had been divorced. 
She met a man whose wife had died of cancer. They married. I didn't know them at the time this had happened. Later, I was talking to Hal, and I said to him, Hal, if you had known Donna was a divorced woman, would you have dated her? He wanted to marry, and he picked out two women from the singles class that he wanted to date. He didn't know either of them had been married, but Donna had. He dated her, fell in love with her, asked her to marry him. She confessed to him that she was a divorced woman. They married. So I said to him, if you had known Donna was a divorced woman, would you have dated her? He thought seriously about it, and then he said, no, I don't believe I would have. So apparently they were teaching this back in the 40s and 50s and 60s at their church. They were teaching Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I was born again in 1975, and I have gone to church for 40 years, and I have never, ever heard the pastor speak this doctrine, that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Yet those are the words of Jesus, recorded in the Bible in Matthew 5.32. Why aren't they being taught today at church? One reason, it, was it would be terribly unpopular today. And the way things have gone today, the world is so opposite to the doctrine of Christ, especially in sexual matters. And you get to thinking it's normal. You even can get to thinking it's the right thing. But when you read the Bible, you see it's the opposite to the Bible. Paul said, be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the thinking presented by this world. That just go out and have sex with these different people and see which one you like best and things like that. If you do that, you become one flesh with that person, even when you're not married to the person. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He warns the men in the congregation about committing fornication. We'll read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them the members of an harlot, a prostitute? God forbid. What, know ye not, that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. At the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh. So Paul says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Why is this not being taught at church? This is what every 
teenager should hear is this doctrine spoken by Paul, that at the time of sexual intercourse you become one flesh with that person. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. I've never heard this taught at church either in 40 years. See, the churches watered down the doctrine, changed the doctrine. That let Antichrist take over. Every singles class should be teaching this doctrine, but I've never heard it taught at any singles class in any church that I have attended. And actually, I've never heard this taught in any church I've ever attended warning you that if you have sex with that person, you become one flesh. Yet it should be taught. This is the only thing powerful enough to control our flesh. So a minister of Jesus will teach these things. There will be people leave the congregation because of these scriptures if you teach them. You won't have as big a church if you teach these scriptures. But you might be a real minister of Jesus Christ if you teach these scriptures. And you will be warning the congregation by the New Testament Bible, which is the only doctrine that we can set up in the church, the doctrine of the New Testament Bible. Otherwise, we open the door for Antichrist to move in to the churches. So all over the world today, Antichrist is already in the churches, teaching things that are not the doctrines of Christ, changing the New Testament Bible. The falling away from the New Testament Bible is Antichrist. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.